Welcome to Fet Unlocked, where we, you guessed it, unlock Fet. This is a relationship, sex, BDSM, and kink podcast where we explore all of those important questions like what makes a good profile on FET or what separates a good spanko or rigor from a good from a bad spanko or rigor so today we're talking about leather so leather is generally a deeply interesting subculture, potential ancestor of the alternative sexuality um, atmosphere and landscape that exists today. It's generally assumed that leather culture got its, you know, start uh, in the post-World War II motorcycle clubs that began propagating around that same time. Military protocols camaraderie with fellow men all of these different aspects of communal life in the military were very attractive to many LGBTQIA plus men however their orientations made it very difficult for them to be accepted in post-military polite society, let's say. And so they flocked in droves to large cities after their discharges from the army. And so if you're not aware, um, many gay men were discharged from the army if it was discovered that they were uh, homosexual. And so it led very, very large groups of homosexual men who were also veterans to cities like Los Angeles, Francisco, and Chicago, hence the incredible leather scenes in those places that in some cases persist to this day. Now, we're looking at films like The Wild One starring Marlon Brando, uh, a rebel uh, motorcycle gang leader as, as his character, and that outfit of his, the black leather jacket, the cap, the t-shirt, the jeans, the boots, it became the epitome of what it meant to be masculine. And of course, it would be later uh, adopted by James Dean Elvis Presley and the letter scene because what was masculinity that was a question that a lot of gay men were attempting to determine for themselves and for many of them leather helped solve that and these men became role models for what it meant to be masculine now why are we talking about the 1940s and 50s And why are we talking about the post-World War II motorcycle clubs? We're talking about that because of what leather is today. And what leather isn't today. And how we 
can come together to continue the legacy of service to the community, the legacy of education, and the legacy of welcomingness, of difference, that these clubs were meant to assuage after the rejection and ostracization that Leatherman experienced in their uh, a modern normative and heteronormative communities that led them to become Leatherman in the first place. I am a leather woman and I'm proud to say it. So thinking about leather today, we have lots of contests, we have lots of chapters. Um, So for instance, you have MAST chapters. MAST stands for Masters and Slaves Together. And there is a large overlap between leather and this particular organization, which is both international and chapter-based. I myself am a member of MAST Metro New York. So thinking about that and thinking about the welcomingness and the nurturingness and the caring and loving that I've experienced in this community, how do we make that more inclusive? How do we make that even more diverse? How do we make it so that people find a seat at the table, feel like they belong at the table, and want to expand the table themselves and pour back into the community? These are questions that I've been wrestling with in my writings, these are are questions that I've been wrestling with across my creative and across my community and across my even quasi-professional activities in the scene. Um, As a member of House of Kush, an international leather house uh, founded in 2021 by Domina Tua, I like to really sit and think about what it means to be leather and what it means to serve the community and how those two things are related. I've had so many people come up to me and ask about either the Onyx Pearls or the House of Kush or just what is leather? What is leather? And without going into, you know, post-World War II and gay men. So the leather subculture, I'd say, denotes practices and styles of dress organized around leather itself, literal leather. For instance, you have the art of boot blacking, right? And so you have leather jackets, vests, boots, chaps, harnesses, more caps, other items. Wearing leather itself is a way that we distinguish ourselves from even mainstream kink subcultures. At the same time, a lot of participants might associate leather culture with BDSM. And for those who don't know what BDSM stands for, it's a kind of triple acronym. Um, So bondage, discipline, 
dominant submission and sadism, masochism, or sadomasochism. Uh, a lot of leather people actually still uh, think of SM or SM as its own kind of separate thing that they like, but not necessarily thinking of themselves as BDSM practitioners. So there's definitely a line here, right, where I can talk about the heavily sexualized, you know, uh, you know, urine-soaked, cum-soaked side of leather, where that's how we break in our leathers. And there's the other side of things where I can talk about the service to the community that often denotes leather um, and the care and the love and the attention that's put into community resources, that's put into caring for one another in the leather community. Because what I do often see with mainstream kink culture, and this is not to generalize at all, but statistically, if I really think of how many people I meet, um, not at munches and not at parties, who say, well, yeah, I, I'm I'm a kinkster, but uh, I don't really do anything in the community. Um, I could, I have the resources to, but it's just easier not to. That's not really a string of words that I'd hear come from a leather person, if that makes sense. If we have the resources, there's almost no situation in which we're not going to mobilize those resources for the betterment of the community. And that's one big difference that I've noticed, and that's honestly one reason why I became a leather woman. It was that interdependence. It was the community that made me become a leather woman. Now, at the same time, it really is hard for me to talk about this without talking about some of the eroticism that is built into leather. What was happening in some of these gay motorcycle clubs was insane. And so, for instance, if you'd like to talk more about that, I do run a book club um, called Akasha's Literary Salon. At some point, I probably will do the Leatherman's Handbook. My only, and that is a gorgeous but anachronistic um, piece of writing um, by Larry Townsend. It, it's, and I call it anachronistic because no matter what the the issue is, you're going to read it and it's going to, it, it's not written for today's audience. Let's just put it that way. And it must be read with an understanding that it's meant for who it's meant for and it worked for who it worked for. And at the same time, we have done our best to change practices around ongoing consent, consent negotiation, and uh, many of the other potentially problematic um, themes and thematic material that exist in that book. Um, So with that caveat, so let's talk about female leather culture, lesbian 
bars. Cynthia Slater's activism for women to be accepted within the gay leather scene in San Francisco during the late 1970s brought her to mainstream attention. She is the one who persuaded the management of San Francisco's SM Leather Club, the Catacombs, the most famous fisting club in the world, to open up to lesbians. It was originally a gay men's club. It operated from 1975 to 1981 and reopened uh, from 1982 to 1984. I have a lot of these uh, motorcycle club records in my Dropbox if anyone wants to kind of take a look at them. Um, Cynthia Slater was also an early proponent of sadomasochistic safety, uh, consent and negotiation, and she was a major, major AIDS activist and educator during the late 1970s. Um, Cynthia Slater hosted SOJ, or Society of Janus Safety Demonstrations, during the late 1970s, and she really created a space for women within the waves and seas of gay cis men already present within the leather, kink, BDSM, fetish subcultures. Um, Pat Califia, who identified as a lesbian at the time, was also an activist in the San Francisco leather subculture and is credited for defining the emergence of lesbian leather subculture. On June 13, 1978, Pat Califia, Gail Rubin, and 16 others co-founded Samoys, a lesbian feminist BDSM organization in San Francisco that existed from 1978 to 1983 and was the first lesbian BDSM group in the United States. And in recent decades, the leather community has been considered a subset of BDSM culture rather than the BDSM community being considered a subset of leather culture. And this is a funny one because this is a question that um, came up on a a pledge exam that that we took uh, pledging for Onyx Pearls. So um, anyone out there who's who's interested in Onyx Pearls, uh, uh, pay close attention to that fact that I just stated. Um, so even so, the uh, most, uh, I think, clearly organized sadomasochistic community related to leather uh, technically has been a subculture of leather. Um, and so that would be uh, evidenced by the, um, the U.S. competition that's known as International Mr. Leather, which was established in 1979. And... Um, SM in the United Kingdom, which was established in 1981. International Miss Leather was first held in 1987, and the first International Miss Leather was Judy Tallwing McCarthy. In 1988, International Miss Leather received the Large Club of the Year Award as part of the Pantheon of Leather Awards. In 2009, 2013, and 2017, International Miss Leather received a large event of the year award as part of the Pantheon of Leather Awards, and in 2018, International Miss Leather Boot Black received that award. The International Miss Leather, or IMSL, foundation began its work in 2015, 
That foundation's website states, as I quote, we are committed to fostering healthy environments for women to succeed in leather and kink spaces by providing education, programming, and financial support. In 2016, that foundation received the Nonprofit Organization of the Year Award as a part of the Pantheon of Leather Awards. International Miss Leather has always had a focus on leadership that starts from within the community. Um, Just as kind of an explanation of that, since I did recently go this year for the first time, um, contestants must meet points and objectives and deadlines set before the contest and at the contest are judged on their costumes Um, A speech that is given, a fantasy performance, super hot, super, super hot, sorry, just being gay for a second. Um, Knowledge of the leather scene as demonstrated in an interview, and uh, I think in the case of International Miss Leather Boot Black, um, there is a test pair of boots that are meant to be done um, as uh, as a kind of exam. So... um, producers of the event have included Audrey Joseph and 1993's International Miss Leather winner um, Amy Marie Meek uh, and the current producer is Mademoiselle CC. So we have so many winners but some of the ones that I can think of right now are Jill Carter um, 1996 who was the first black international Miss Leather. Um, We can think of Tammy Nelson, 2003. Um, We can think of Molina Williams, who was uh, Miss San Francisco Leather 2009 and then became Miss International Leather in 2010, also in San Francisco at the time. So then lastly, we have our 2023 International Miss Leather, Liquid, who was the Northeast Leather person 2020 and 2021, who is also a member of Onyx Pearl's Pacific Northwest slash Seattle. So this is just a primer on leather. And if anyone has any questions, I am always available. But this is Akasha signing off. And as Sam would say, go get fucked.